Lord, I thank you for revealing to us day by day, moment by moment, and hour by hour who you are, Father. And our personal experiences and our personal encounters, God. We're coming to know, God, that you are God, our provider. We, we, as I think about that ambulance coming over the hill yesterday, coming at us head on, Father, I know, Lord, who you are. You are a perfect protector, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that when I'm lost, Lord, and don't know which to turn, that you come in as that perfect priest, Father, speaking to my heart, Lord, you, guiding Jesus. us, Lord, each of us. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise your name. We thank you that there's no other God besides you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, it's good to be here. And, you know, the Lord gave me a word when I walked in. And the Lord told me, he said, this is a dress rehearsal for what I am about to do. He said, you have come to a rehearsal today for what I am about to do. He said, all I need for you to be past the dress rehearsal is to continue on one accord. Amen. Amen. He said, this is a, you're getting ready for the influx that God is going to bring into Hillel. Amen. This is a dress rehearsal. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, just as a footnote before I preach, I have been, I started something called a midnight rant, and I don't know if any of you have picked it up. You, you did see it? Okay, you did see it? Good. So uh, coming on at midnight, and so I got a couple of complaints because uh, my friends on the East Coast said, well, midnight is 3 o'clock in, in uh, Boston and New York, so can you put it on at 9 o'clock so that it'll be midnight for us? And I said, Fair enough, so I'm going to start trying to get it up by 9 so that the midnight rant can hit my friends on the East Coast. And then it's not going to be left up after midnight. I'll leave it up till the early the next morning. It is on delete, okay? Because um, I'm saying some pretty, um, pretty inflammatory, inflammatory things. Uh, I will be talking about uh, Mickey Minaj's uh, butt implants <laughs> this week. I saw a uh, video of her with a flat butt when she first started twerking. And, uh, and then I went and saw, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I went to the movie to see uh, Barbershop, and her butt is like, she got like a little tiny waist and this big, big butt. And I said, that does not look normal. So I, I looked it up. You know, I said, this is her butt. And they said, this is Mickey Minaj when she first started out. And she's a little flat butt, okay? And this is her wow. now, okay? And why am I putting up a tweet like that? I mean, why am I putting up a tweet in her Facebook? Because, because people are trying to live up to a standard that is not real, okay? And you got to tell people, you know, stop trying to, you know, go somewhere and, and do something to your body or feel like you're inadequate because of, you know, you see something and you think it's real. And it's not even real. God help her when she turns 40 or 50 and them plants start sagging. She, her blood is going to be down on her ankles somewhere. But so anyway, check me out on a Midnight Rant and 
If you don't agree, feel free to unfriend me. You know, I have no problems with that at all, okay? But I'm just tired of people talking about puppy dogs, you know, and who they're going out with and all that kind of stuff while the world's going to hell, okay? And uh, so I think we need to address some of the issues, some of the real hardcore issues uh, of the world, amen? And uh, that's going on in our lives. So it'll be a variety of stuff from Mickey's, Mickey's butt to, you know, to, um, the transition of Muslims uh, into Christianity that are being taken, they're being forced out of Syria and coming into Europe and, uh, and, they're and, and being helped by the Christian church. And, a, and there's a lot of conversions going on. So, all, so what Satan is meant for evil, you know, um, God is using it for his good, you know, because they are getting to hear the gospel. Uh, it, it showed one church in Germany, and I thought it was just really incredible. They took the sanctuary and turned it into cubicles with beds in them uh, for the refugees because they had no place to go, okay? And they're praying for them, so they're converting, and they're like, wow, you know, they're very angry what they saw uh, ISIS do to their relatives, killing, beheading people. So, you know, they're seeing Islam in a different light. So uh, I really believe that this is, I know it looks horrible, but I really believe that in many respects, it is a move of God, amen, amen. preparing for the second coming of his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, a, a couple weeks ago, I began, and Pastor, uh, Pastor Adaro and Pastor Teresa asked me to continue to talk about, uh, to, to share with the book of Acts, because we're dealing with building a strong community uh, and uh, being connected. What's our theme for this year? Building godly community. So Acts really gives us a process, okay? There are so many things happening in, uh, because they are building the church. Because remember, believe it or not, before the book of Acts, the church did not exist. The New Testament church did not exist. She's looking around like, no, it did not. There was only Judaism, okay? It was Judaism, and then Jesus Christ comes on the scene, um, preaches salvation, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, he is taken up to heaven, and now the first century church is established, okay, where Jesus Christ becomes center of that church. A lot of people think that the church existed before. No, Judaism does, did existed before, but now Christianity is being birthed, amen, uh, and it is being birthed in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is also known as Luke Two, okay. It is the second part of the of the Gospel of Luke, where uh, and they believe that the Book of Acts was written as a defense for the Apostle Paul when he was brought before the Roman court to be killed. That this was a part of the uh, what do they call it when a lawyer prepares a case, huh? Yeah, of what happened, okay, and uh, 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 during the time. So it's it, it's a very very interesting book. Uh, because it begins with, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, uh, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all about that Jesus, about that Jesus, that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Who is Theophilus? Nobody knows. But that's why they're thinking that perhaps that Theophilus had something to do with the court presentation that was presented on behalf of Paul, the Apostle Paul. That is neither here nor there. What I do want you to do is, uh, what I do want to help you to understand, though, the principles of 
reading and start studying the Bible because as many as you know, I am a Bible teacher, okay? So uh, I wanna give you some principles that are gonna help you as you study the word of God, okay? There are four principles when you are reading the Bible, the Bible. The first one has to do with observation. You might wanna write these points down, okay? There are four points, observation. What are you looking at and what are you looking for when you read the word of God? You are looking for the who, who are they talking about? What are they talking about? Where is this taking place? And that sort of thing, okay? The who, what, the why, and when, okay? Okay, when did this take place? Observation. Now, the second phase of studying the Bible after observation is interpretation. Now, I want you to repeat this with me for all of you that are just starting out, or maybe this is something you need to know. Just repeat this with me. A good observation. Leads to, a correct interpretation. leads to a correct interpretation. A wrong observation, a wrong observation can, lead can lead to a wrong interpretation. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If I tell you, if I'm reading in the text and it talks about a plate in the text, what is your assumption that I'm talking about? Huh? Something you eat off of. But is that the only way a plate can be used? You can have a plate in your head, okay? If you, okay? You can have a plate in your head if you've had an accident. There are plates under the ground that hold the ground in place, okay, to keep from earthquakes. I'm just giving you an example that if you don't understand the context of what you're reading, that you can come to a wrong interpretation because you've made a wrong observation, okay? So in this particular text, I want you to do your best because maybe you just kind of read and you don't even really, you know, you're just kind of cruising and you're not really paying attention to the details and the next thing you know, you're off on a rabbit trail. But details speak volumes because one thing I found out about the Word of God, there's not one little dot or tittle that is wasted. That it all has a, a particular meaning and significance. So you have observation and you have interpretation, okay? That was the second one. The third one is personalization, okay? Observation. And then we're going to interpret it. And how do we interpret it? Wow. Now that's a good question. We interpret it based on, number one, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you about this text? Okay? What are the commentaries? What have the people that have read this text in the past said to you? I want you to put down, if you have an iPad with you or something, you might want to go start using BibleHub.com. BibleHub.com. And what BibleHub.com does, it will give you a scripture, and if you scroll down, it's going to give you all the commentary in the Greek, the Hebrew, what everybody has said about that particular passage. It can be one verse, okay? So BibleHub.com is something that you should use if you're studying the Bible. You can pull it up on your phone, you can pull it up uh, on your iPad or your computer at home, BibleHub.com. And what you do, put in the verse that you're looking for, read all the different translations of that verse, and then scroll down to commentaries and see, and that will help you, that will help the Holy Spirit help you in your interpretation, okay, of what 
that really, really means. Also, cross-reference. There's a little, it should be a little passage in the center of your Bible, or at the bottom of your Bible, okay? And it'll cross-reference to other scriptures that will collaborate what you are reading in that scripture. So use your cross-reference, use your commentaries, use your online tools, okay, to, to come to a correct interpretation. But first of all, but let me just say this. First, when you're interpreting, what I do, I listen for the Holy Spirit. And then when the Holy Spirit tells me a certain thing about a certain passage, then I wait for God to confirm his word. How does he confirm his word? As I research, as I read commentaries, as I ask different people who I know, know the word of God, I'll call somebody and sometimes say, what is this verse to you? And then I say, wow, that's what the Holy Spirit was saying to me, okay? So let the, let the, uh, the, let the everything in the mouths of two or three witnesses be established, okay? Because you can get off track if you don't, okay? And so we have, first one is what when you're reading the Bible? Se second one is? The third one is? Personalization. What does this mean to me? Why is God showing me this scripture? How, how do you know? What does this mean in my life? How do, what am I? Have you ever read something all of a sudden it is like this jumps off the page at you, and it either convicts you or either tells you that something wonderful that God is going to move in your life. What that? That's personal. I, you hear God speaking to you. That's a personalization. And then the fourth and final one is activation. Now that you have gone through the word and you've made all your observations, you've gone and looked, use biblehub.com to find out the Greek or the Hebrew meaning of words that you don't understand in the scriptures. Now, once you get your interpretation and then you personalize it for your life, now activation, what am I gonna do to change my life? Where am I, how, when am I gonna step out on faith and do what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to me through the word, okay? Now, I didn't charge you for any of that. That's all free, okay? That's all free. Um, but I wanted to, I really felt led to give you that uh, this morning um, so you would have that in your arsenal, okay? Of, uh, and as you begin to fast in May and you begin to spend more time in the Word and the less time on television, um, use those four principles, okay? What are the four principles? Yes, exactly. You got it. That's how you study the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So we are going to, huh? I'll put it on the website. Oh, she's going to put it on the website. Very good. Praise God. So um, they have, uh, uh, in the book of Acts, we just, we talked, the last time we talked about Acts chapter 1 and how Jesus uh, was about to ascend back into heaven and he gathers his uh, troops together, his, his, his disciples together, and uh, he, he, and, uh, verse 2, and he says, uh, don't leave. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait in the upper room. Uh, and they just said, well, wait a minute. Hold on. What, 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 wait a minute. But before you go, when are you going to restore Israel? Okay? It says they were together, but they weren't on one accord. Okay? He's talking about one thing. They're like, wait a minute. No, no. I, I hear what you're saying, but what I came to this meeting to find out is when are you going to restore Israel, you know? And he said, you know what? This is not what the meeting is about, Israel. The meeting is about that the Holy Ghost is going to come on in. You're going to receive power. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. That's what this meeting is about. 
And they're like, oh, okay. They are together, but they are not on one accord, okay? So he says, now go to Jerusalem, find a place, and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. Now, they go to Jerusalem during a, a, the Feast of Tabernacles, or, or we call it Pente uh, the Day of Pentecost, amen? Pentecost is a old, was really an Old Testament uh, celebration where all the people went up to Jerusalem, okay, for this feast. It was the autumn feast where they brought the harvest in, but it was also a celebration of the time that the Jews believed that God gave them the law, okay, or the Ten Commandments, okay? So it was a kind of a mixed bag celebration, but it was a very, very big, important time, Pentecost. Pentecost meaning 50, the number five were 50. 50 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ, they it's, it comes Pentecost, okay? But here we have a situation where they uh, go into Jerusalem and they all go into an upper room and they are there for 10 days. The Bible says that it was 10 days that they were in the upper room before the Holy Ghost fell. So I want you to picture a church. They are together, but they are not yet on one accord. And they are in a room together for 10 days it's upstairs, the upper room, and the Jerusalem is hot. There is no air conditioning, okay? This, now what I'm doing now is making an observation, okay, about what it looked like, what it was really like. They are up and down. Now it's not just the 12. The Bible tells us that it was, uh, 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 let, let me find it, verse, 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 uh, okay, uh, verse, uh, 13, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and those presents were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simeon, Simon, Simon the Zealot, Judas, and the other Judas, son of James, and they were all joined together with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and that day, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. 120 people at church for 10 days with no air conditioning upstairs. You're going to need the Holy Ghost for real, okay? So now while they're up there waiting to see with the Holy Ghost, this is all observation. I'm not interpreting anything. I'm just reading what the text says and using my godly imagination to picture what that would look like in real life. And a lot of times we read people, we read it, but we don't feel it. You understand what I mean? We don't picture ourselves sitting somewhere for 10 days, okay? We can't sit for an hour and 20 minutes, okay? 10 days. Now, I was trying to find out, I was trying to read the commentaries to see if they went home at night and came back, or were they just up there like full time with bathroom breaks, sleeping on the floor. I know it said one time, didn't it say somebody, Teresa, somebody that they were preaching and somebody fell out the window and died and they had, you remember that? And they had to go down and get them and revive them or whatnot. So it was a lot of stuff going on, okay? It was a lot of stuff going on in that room, but one of the things they were doing, they were trying to find a replacement for Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, so now they're about to have an election, okay? They're having an election, and it says this uh, in verse 23, chapter 1, book of Acts. We are still just observing, okay? It says, so they proposed two men, Joseph called Barabbas, also known, 
Barsabbas, I'm sorry if I said but Barabbas, that, that is not the guy, okay? <laughs> Barsabbas, see? See, y'all was just observing, okay? You caught me. I just wanted to see if y'all was watching. <laughs> Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. How many names does this one man have? Huh? What are his three names? Okay. And Matthias, okay? So they proposed two men. The first one's name was Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice. Some will say his family name was Justice. And Matthias. Well, my first question is, just making an observation, why did Bersabbas have so many names, okay? Because you will find that he's also known as Judas, okay? So he really has four names. By the time we finish reading, he's going to be known as Joseph, Bersabbas, Justice, and Judas, okay? Four names. Why does he have so many names? Well, I want you to understand, historically, this is a sign of status. It is like King uh, Prince Charles. And if you, Prince Charles, he has about five middle names. He's named after this cousin and that uncle and the last king. And It's a status symbol, okay? All of these names mean that Barsabbas came from some high-ranking family, okay? Where they wanted the mama's maiden name and the daddy's, you know, name. And so you would know what families and what his lineages was and who his forefathers were and all that. So they give him all these names, okay? This is a status symbol in ancient Israel, all right? You got that part, all right? Now, to, in order to know that, you have to look that up. You understand what I mean? So to get a correct interpretation from what you observe, you've got to do the work and see where it is. So that is the reason why he has so many names. So then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. You with me? Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. You know what it is to hell, right? Okay. Then that's an interpretation. I, I figure it means hell, okay? And they cast lots, and the lots fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. What do you mean they cast lots? They drew straws? They threw some craps? Oh, no, no women. You, women, women, you think that, you know, those craps, those little things, mm -hmm. is something you invented? That goes way, way back in the Bible. They used to throw them and see what the bones would say. That's why sometimes they still call dominoes and stuff like that bones, okay? It's biblical, it goes way with, very, very ancient, okay? So we don't know whether they had sticks and pulled out, see how many sticks said A and how many sticks said B. We don't know whether they pulled out one stick to see what name it was or whether they took a vote. It says they cast last. Now y'all get on the Baptist for voting, but hey, here it is. They came to some kind of arrangement, okay, about who would be the new apostle. Now, I want you to use your sanctified imagination. We have Rasabas here, and we have Matthews here. Dear people, we have two candidates up for the new opening in the church. One is Matthews. And you know he's a good man, and then others Barsabbas, and you know he's a good man with a lot of money, okay? <laughs> um, now, they have been with us from the very beginning. They walk with Jesus. 
They were part of the 70 disciples. They were not part of the 12, but remember there were also 70 disciples that went ahead of the 12. When the 12 would go to preach, they would send the 70 ahead of them to get everything ready. So when the 12 walked in, they would be able to come in and minister and do miracles. So there are three, which was James, John, and Peter, who were Jesus's sidekicks. And beyond the three, there are 12, which is the body that Jesus personally discipled. And among the 12, there are 70, probably broken down among the 12 that they were discipling. Do you get the picture? Yes. Okay, do you get the picture? So both Matthias and Bersabbas were among the 70. And they had proved themselves faithful to the 12. Oh, y'all, I'm trying to go somewhere. Come on, come on. The ones who were in the back group proved themselves faithful to the inner group, and the inner group took the information to the tighter group, and the tighter group told Jesus. This, these people way back here are the ones who have been consistent. We see them every Sunday. We have checked the records. These are the ones who are tithing. These are the ones who are going down on Skid Row. These are the ones who are visiting the hospitals. They, so they said they brought these two. Now they, in the background, not trying to show off, not trying to gain any reps or anything like that. They are just consistent. Yes. Listen to me. They don't have a title. But when someone is consistently working on the sound in the back, he becomes the sound man, whether you give him the title or not. So when you are looking for somebody to do the sound, you call who? The sound man, okay? The sound man happens to be Stevenson. Why is he the sound man? Because every time you see him, he is working the sound. He's not trying to be up front. You understand, playing the piano. He's not trying to be on the dance team. You understand what I mean? He does one thing, the sound, okay? So these two have been working among the 70, but they were so consistent in what they did, whatever, it doesn't say what they did. Yes, it does later on, I'll get to that. But they come forward. Now, I want you to get into the human side of Matthias and Bersabbas, okay? Because the apostleship, do you think that's a high honor? You, you know that some people just go around calling themselves bishops yeah. and apostles. Yeah. Why do they do that, you think? Why would you call yourself a bishop when you got nine members? <laughs> why would you do that? Because you want the appearance of, of being higher. Of being higher. You understand what I'm saying? There is a, there is a human side of us, okay? And, and all of us, we, we're not of that. You understand what I mean? But I want you to say that it's human nature to like want status, okay? And want a position. So it says that they were together, but it does not say yet that they are on one accord. They're just together. So I don't know what is in Matthew's mind. I don't know what Barsabbas' mind is, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna edge over here a little bit and say, you know what I mean? I, I, you know they want me to be an apostle, you know, to be with James and Peter, 
Because, you know, Peter preached to 3,000 3, came to Christ. Be like T.D. Jakes. You understand what I mean? Be like this one and that one. I'm not saying that's what was in their mind. But it had to be just a little. Come on now. Anybody hearing me? You understand what I mean? It had to be a little of that. But then there's another side, another place where they could have gone. It could have been like this. It could have been, well, there are two among the 70 that we have found faithful and we have brought them forward. It could have been this mindset. Lord Jesus, they killing these folks and hanging them and putting them on a tree. Now they want to put me on front street too? Well, I, I'll take the job. I mean, I, I don't mind your nominee, but Lord, don't pick me, please. I do not. Come on. Anybody relating? Okay, I don't mind being among the 70, okay? You know what I mean? I'll even be among the 12. But I don't want my name in lights. No, not with them breaking into people's houses and dragging people into jail and Paul and Silas crying and singing all night. I'm sorry, okay? I will pay my tithes. I will come to choir rehearsal. But you just ask, you know, no, what they say is, well, a sister so-and-so, would you consider doing something? Well, I have to pray about that. I'm going to have to, you know, see what God is saying, you know, like, and what they really saying is, you know what, y'all got that one, okay? So I don't, I don't know if they have been put forward by default, you understand what I mean, where they're putting them up, and they got their fingers crossed behind their back, say, Lord Jesus, you know, please don't let them pick me. Or they can be like, Lord, if they don't pick me, these these folks up in here, if they don't, after all the money, after all the hard work I did, and all of a sudden you're going to get a job to somebody else? I don't think so. We don't know where they were coming from. But we know human nature. And we're talking about becoming a community and understanding where people can be coming from when you are putting a community together, they are trying to close their ranks back up. They've lost one. They have been betrayed. Their leader has gone, and they're trying to regroup and, group and establish this first century church, and they need another strong apostle. Matthias and Barsabbas have come into the arena. So they draw lots, and Matthias's name comes up. Now, Barsabbas has said, was at. Or he could have been at a place where he said, thank you, Jesus. Woo! I dodged that bullet. They almost got me. Woo! Lord, we don't know because people, I mean, they run the gamut in terms of when you are putting a community together. But I want to I wanna just look at this whole thing of, so they cast lots, and they chose Matthias. But there's a very, very interesting thing for all of you who might at some point 
when this ministry begins to grow and expand, and you were here, boy, when they didn't want nothing but one, two, five, seven people in the house, you know what I mean? And the offering was $57.29, you know, and he didn't show I was there. I'm getting you ready, okay? I'm getting you ready for how God may begin to move depending on what God is doing to build this church. Trying to get you ready for it. Because it's going to be a lot of flip-flopping. Who's the pastor of the church? Who's the pastor of this church? Pastor Daryl and who's preaching? I'm not the pastor. Why am I preaching? Because that is what God is doing today. You get what I'm saying? And Pastor Daryl's not looking at me cross-eyed. And Pastor Teresa doesn't have a leg crossing. My mother, Lord have mercy. It's what God is doing today. So we have to learn that as God begins to move this thing and grow this thing like a woman's belly when she's pregnant, everything begins to stretch. Everything gets uncomfortable. Everything looks different, okay? Because something is being birthed. Amen? So we find out, so I'm like, okay, so they make Matthias the new apostle who will be stationed in Jerusalem where the, where the, where the mother church is birthed, okay? The interesting thing about Matthias, he gets elected and never again in the book of Acts or anywhere else in the Bible is Matthias' name mentioned. He got the title, but he disappears. So a lot of times... Y'all are trying to struggle to get a title. We're talking down the road now. This is prophetic. Okay? This is prophetic. I'm not talking about here now. You're struggling to get a title, but are you going to disappear in the title? You understand what I mean? And not be effective because you are in a place with the title, but you may not be effective because of the title. I, I know y'all don't get that. You don't get that. You don't get that. You may not be able to fulfill your real calling because now you got stuck with a title. We never hear from Matthias again. But Sabas does not get elected apostle. I don't know if he's mad. I don't know if he's glad. It doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, now we hear about what Sabas is doing. Isn't that interesting? He misses, it's like a, it's like a, is it getting warm in here? It's like um, Obama gets elected president, okay? And you hear everything, and who did he run against? I don't even remember, Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, okay. And Mitt Romney, all of a sudden, you start hearing more about Mitt Romney than you do Obama. You know what I mean? In that particular place, Mitt Romney, you never hear what he's doing after that. Everything is about Obama. But it's very interesting, in the book of Acts, it reverses itself. The one who got elected, you never hear about him again. And the one who didn't get elected as apostle, all of a sudden you start hearing, okay? So what happened, what happened with Versabas after he was not elected to the post that maybe he wanted, maybe he didn't want? But I know this, I, want, I, want, I, want, I gotta get where I think before I talk about more about him. And it says, that so after the election, 
This is what I love about it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That is what the NIV says. But all together is a reference to one accord. Okay? They were on one accord, and they were in one place. So what does that tell you? It tells you that whatever happened in this election, it didn't phase Barsabbas, and it didn't phase Matthias. Because if it had phased one of them, if one of them felt like they had been ousted or was treated unfairly, it's no way that they could have got to the next verse where they were on one accord. Okay? They accepted the election the way it went, and it says that they were on one accord. And when they were on one accord, it says that the Holy Spirit came in. And they were, and on the day of Pentecost, and when the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. And suddenly, the sound came like a violent wind, and the Holy Ghost fell. Yeah. All right? This is what I want you to understand about your life. So many people want something, okay? Or something becomes available, or something that they need. It may be a mate, it may be a husband, it may be a career, it may be a house. I don't know what it is. It's this want. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Everybody, does anybody here don't have a want? Ain't nothing you want. Everybody has a want. You understand what I mean? A one and a one two. All right? But it says, oh, I love this. It says when the Holy Ghost came, it says in verse, uh, where is it? Verse where it says they were filled, verse 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let me tell you something, Jay Scott. You can be jealous of people only when you are empty and you want something. And then they get it, and your emptiness makes you unfulfilled and jealous of what is going on around you. But the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you are full, hallelujah, you don't care what somebody else has because you are already full. You understand what I mean? You're full. So whenever you feel like, oh, I want that, and I want that, but they gave it to him, and now I, have, I want something. I am unfulfilled. Well, why are you unfulfilled when God has given you the Holy Ghost? The Bible tells us to learn whatever state you're in to be content. Well, how can I be content when I don't have enough money? How can I be content when I don't have a job? How can I be content when I don't have a husband? Because be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you are full, you have no sense of what you don't have. Oh, God. oh man. I don't know if y'all are hearing me or not. But I know that when I met my husband, I had been single for many, many years. And when I met him, and the things started getting close, I said, God, where am I going to put a husband? I am busy. My kids are here. They know I'm telling you the truth. I was traveling all the time. 
You know, I was, I was just doing stuff. And I said, how do I have time for this? But if I had been empty and he had come along, I would have been pulling, I would have scared the man to death. I would have been pulling on his pants leg, dragging behind him, begging him to take me in. Please fill me up, fill me up. I'm so empty. I need, I want, I want. Y'all are scaring folks off with your emptiness. But when you are full, full, and I'm not talking about you can never get full of worldly stuff because whenever you get full of money or full of power or full of this, there's always a hole in your soul and it's draining out and you watching that thing to see if you're going to keep it. You jealous over, you gardening, you scared somebody going to find out your business because they might want this and they might know you got that and all. You're just going through all kinds of change because you're full of the world and the world does not satisfy. But when he says to learn whatever your place you're in to be content, God, I am broke. I don't know how I'm going to pay my car note, my rent. I can't do this. I can't do that. He said, hey, it's a part of the script. Your footsteps are ordered by me. I know the plan that I have for you. Plan to do your good and never evil. To give you hope in the future. Do you believe my word? And I'm telling you, this whole thing about believing God's word but standing on his promises. And I'll tell you, the fuller I am, the easier it gets. It's when life drains me of the fullness of God that all of a sudden I just feel like I start looking at what other folks have. Well, God, they got a nice house. Why can't I have one? They got a new kitchen. Why is my kitchen all jacked up? It's always something. They got a dog. I don't even like dogs. You understand what I mean? But all of a sudden, I just want one. Because I'm empty. It says in chapter 2 that they were on one accord and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Why are there fights in church? Because somebody is not full. Somebody has a need and they think that if they get something that they want from somebody, they don't even know what it is or what it means, then I'll be happy. Well, if you need that to be happy, shame on you. You need to go have a meeting with the Holy Ghost and say, I don't care if they elect me or if they don't elect me. If they keep me or send me, I don't care because I'm already full. What happened to uh, Brother Prasavis who didn't get elected, who they did not make him head of the deacon board? Head of the trustees, head of the music ministry, head of the children, the this, the that. What happened? Okay? We know one thing. I believe he was full. If he was in that room, he was full. Amen. Because it said everybody that was in that room, the tongues of fire Amen. sat on the head. Okay? I believe that was the gas pump just loading them up. So y'all going to need this. But what I'm getting ready to take you through, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. It says this. I want you to go to Acts with me, uh, the 15th chapter, 22nd verse. There is a situation that is uh, going on, and um, um, I think it was Antioch. Let me see. Yeah, I believe it was Antioch. 
Yeah, they they go on a mission to Antioch. Chapter well well, chapter yeah fifteen. I got the wrong Bible. That's what the problem is. Okay, um, for chapter fifteen, the Book of Acts. Okay, they have a meeting in Jerusalem. Okay, they have a meet this meeting in Jerusalem, and in the meeting they found out that something was going on at the church in Antioch. They're in Jerusalem, and the problem was that the Gentiles. Uh, the Jews in the church at Antioch were saying that they wanted the Gentiles that were joining the church to become circumcised. Mm -hmm. Grown men and circumcision don't work together very well, okay? Amen. So it was, tearing, it was tearing up the church, okay? So uh, Peter and James said, we need to send a delegation to talk with the Gentiles and the Jews to see if we can help them reach an agreement, okay, about this whole issue. Because we don't feel like the Gentiles have to be circumcised to be saved, okay? There's nothing in the Word of God that says you have to be circumcised to be saved, okay? So they send a letter, okay? And it's starting in, starting in verse 22. Let me see. I have, do have the wrong Bible. It says they send a letter, and it says... Then the apostle and elders, are you with me? Mm -hmm. With the whole church decided to choose some of their own men to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Okay? Barnabas, not Basabas. Barnabas. <coughs> they sent a delegation. They said they're going to send someone with Paul and Barnabas. And they, charged, they chose Judas. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Here's his other name. Called what? Basabas. So now he's got four names, okay? And this is because of his status and ranking, okay? They, Basabas and Silas, Silas, two men who were leaders among the brethren. And with them, they sent, with them they sent the following letter. So we know that Basabas was a leader among the brethren because that's what the scriptures, I'm just observing this. It says they sent someone with Paul and Barnabas. Why did they send somebody with Paul and Barnabas? Because Paul really was kind of uh, new. I think they were still kind of mm -hmm. checking Paul out. You <laughs> get what I'm drifting? Yeah, he's preaching to the Gentiles, but he's the one who used to persecute the church. Let's send some solid people with him so that the people at Antioch won't be intimidated, won't get nervous, okay? When they see Barsabbas and they see Silas, they'll know that this is official, okay? So these, these are, oh man, these are the pillars of the church. If they're saying these were leaders, these were pillars in the church, people of unquestionable character and influence, okay? Basabas and Paul. So here they go. They come. And then they send this letter, and they send the apostles and elders and brothers to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and, and Cilicia, okay? Now, it says this. It says, we have heard that some of you went out from us without our authorization, and disturbed and 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 dis and disturb you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Now, see, now you know they're suspicious of Paul. Why do you know that? Because they lead this letter with Barnabas and not with Paul. And in the text, the lead person's name is always mentioned first. But here, they don't <laughs> mention Paul first. We are sending them with Barnabas and Paul, which means that the church is still suspicious of Paul's ministry. Got that? That's an observation. Men who have risked their lives 
for the name of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Do you see that? We are sending, we're sending someone with Barnabas and Paul. Who we're sending? We're sending men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas. Who is Judas? Barsabbas. What do we know now about Barsabbas? That he is a leader and what else? That he has risked his life for the sake of the gospel. Oh, man, we're getting a picture. Do you see what this observation thing does when you start looking at it? It says, these are men that have risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. So they need a confirmation. They need to make sure that this is coming from Peter, okay, to confirm by word of mouth that, yeah, this is really from us, okay? For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and not just us, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements, that you should abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, this is all you need to do, and from blood, from meat strangled by animals, from sexual immorality, you will do well if you avoid these things. He said, that's all we require of you. You don't have to go get circumcised, okay? What else do we find out about him in this text? In verse 32, it says, the men, verse 30, the men went off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it, and they were glad for the encouraging message. Verse 32, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets. What else do we know about Barsabbas now? Who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brethren. Then, spending some time there, they, went, they were sent off by the brothers with a blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch they were there, uh, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Now, there's some other uh, translation that says a little more. But we know this. We find out now that Barsabbas was what? He was a leader in the church. We know that he had risked his life from the Lord. We know that he was a prophet and that he was a preacher, and he knew how to encourage the brethren. Amen? Let me tell you something. Your reputation, apart from titles, that's the whole point here. He has a reputation in the body that has nothing to do with a title. So much so, he doesn't get elected as an apostle, but they said, if we want somebody, why didn't he send Matthews? He was the new apostle. It was Barsabbas' reputation that got him sent to Antioch. You understand what I mean? And helped the church. I could go on. I could go on. And I'm just going to leave you with this thought. And maybe this is a thought for next time. Okay? It says in, in uh, verse 36. It says, sometimes later, Paul and Barnabas, Verse 36, chapter 15, are you there with me? Book of Acts. Yeah. Sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brethren in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And Barnabas wanted John, also called Mark, John Mark from the book of Mark. He wanted them. But Paul said, no way. I do not think so. Because he deserted us at Pamphylia and has not continued with them in the work. That trifling boy, 
<laughs> he is a mature, and I really believe that, th that this time John Mark is a teenager. He's a youth. He's, he's not quite, right. you know, he's a youth. But youth were in the ministry. Mm -hmm. You get this? Yeah. God was using youth in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, no, we ain't taking, he ain't ready. Mm -hmm. And verse 39 says this, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. But Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brethren to the grace of the Lord, said, God bless you as you go. Mm -hmm. You know that expression, don't you, right? Mm -hmm. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I'll make this final point. Just because you're filled with the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. does not mean that you will not have disagreements. It doesn't mean that, okay? Let me tell you what it does mean. It means this, and you can go home and read it tonight for your homework. 1 Corinthians 9, 6 says that Paul and Barnabas were back together again. Colossians 4, 10 says that Paul says, when you come, bring Mark with you, for he's good for the ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 11, Paul is talking about John Mark, how he's matured. What it does when you are full, it means that when you get upset, it's not about a hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. It's about how you see things differently. Mm -hmm. But when you have the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you will work it out. Yeah. You'll work it out. Amen. When you have the Holy Spirit in your marriage, you won't quit. Amen. You work it out. You might have to have some come to Jesus meetings <laughs> with your roommate or your bandmates or your co-workers or whatever. But when you, I didn't say them, watch this. I didn't say them because sometimes you're going to run up and it ain't going to be about them. It's going to be about how much Holy Ghost do you have? He says, and what did Jesus say about the Holy Ghost? Being full of it. He says, in one six, he says, you shall receive you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What does that power mean? Power to walk away when it gets heated. Power to forgive. Power to see somebody else's point of view. Power to submit. Because let me tell you something. God does not really, watch this. Oh, I know I'm going to have a problem, but that's okay. I'll put this in my midnight rant. <laughs> you might have a problem but God does not lead through the congregation he leads through his leaders and if they are wrong it's between them and God it's between them and God really he does not you know he does not when, when he took the people out of, out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea did he have a committee who did he use? He used Moses. Now Moses had Aaron as a consultant, but God didn't come looking for Aaron when he got upset. He only came looking for Moses. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus had a committee of 12, but only one person went to that cross. They didn't come to the garden that night looking for Peter, James, or John, or nobody else. They said, which one of you is Jesus? Understand what I mean? So the leader 
is the one that God has called to lead, but he's also remember, or she's also the person who has to take the hits. Okay? Okay? So the Bible says to submit to godly authority. And if you don't believe the authority is godly, then guess what you need to do? I'm serious. You need to unfriend. <laughs> Hit the button. You know? Yeah. Huh? Do a, do a midnight rant. Ain't nothing. It's okay. You can do a midnight rant. Just don't mention no names. Because <laughs> you don't want God to come and get you. Because touch not my anointed. Don't do my prophets no harm. Okay? I think I've said enough for today. If you are empty, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling like, God, this is not fair. I need something that I don't have. First thing you need to do, you need to check your gauge and see where you are. Are you full? Are you half full? Are you riding on an empty? Because you know when you ride on empty, you'll run out. You'll quit. You'll find yourself on the side of the road need looking for a tow truck to get you out. But you know what? There's no better place to get filled than when we are here together. And I'm telling you, God said to me this morning, this is a dress rehearsal. And if we can touch and agree, you know, Psalms 133, which is my husband's favorite scripture. He says, it says, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And then at the end of that, that, that Psalm, Psalm 133, you know, it says, it says because it is there in the unity that he commands the blessing. You want to get blessed? Don't be in your house fighting because the devil is laughing at y'all. He's laughing at your marriage. He's laughing at your family. He's laughing. Because he knows that where there is no unity, there is no blessing. So even though I almost broke my television set one night, I said, if I throw something at him and miss and hit my television set, we both going to be out of a big flat screen television. So I put the vase down. Okay? I'm serious. It gets like that sometimes. You think, what am I really doing? What am I really doing when I be going off on folks and stuff? Folks, they hit me back. Then what am I going to do? I'm up here, and then you laid out cold. No. When you are full of the Holy Ghost, or if you are frustrated, there may be an emptiness in you. I want to pray for you this morning that God would fill us and that we would overflow on one another. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Oh man, I was at the beach one day and had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And it was so, it was so good. It was so good. I was so full. I was walking back down the beach in my car and people were walking by, a little jogging and right by. I said, did you see him? Did you see him? And he said, see who? Jesus, look right out there on the water. Look at him. Look at the sky and the sea. It's Jesus. And they just said, <laughs> because when you're full, you yeah. pour out. Yeah, yeah. You're going to pour out something.
something good on somebody. Let's stand to our feet and ask God to fill us right now. Let's ask him to fill us right now. Fill me, God. I need a filling, Lord. I need you to fill me until I'm overflowing, Lord. Hallelujah. If you know how to worship him in the spirit, speaking in tongues, if you know how, come on outside, loud, loud right now. 